Welcome to One Day Contract, the Panthers talk show where each week we're joined by a new personality who we've signed to a one-day contract to join the show. One Day Contract is a proud part of the Riot Network. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Riot Network to stay up to date on all your favorite pods. Make sure that you subscribe, rate, love us on iTunes. I'm Nikki Wolf. With me, as always, Josh Klein, Editor-in-Chief for the Riot Report, and was really excited and proud to hear the way the Bank of America Stadium crowd sounded like on Sunday against the Saints. I'm with you on that one. Man, it was louder in there. And like, dare I say it, like, I don't remember it being that loud since, I mean, since 2017. Like, uh, that was probably like the the best crowd that I've seen at uh, the vault, the bank. I don't know what you want to call it. Um, I also feel like I came in with some low energy here. Uh, I, I spent the day with my daughter. So uh, I'm, I'm just, I got to be a little bit more hyped up here. I was, I was trying to be low key because we were winding down for bedtime. We're doing one day contract after dark here. It's like one night contract. So um, I'm, I got I to gotta refresh myself, bring it back in. And now I'm fired up. Let's do this thing. Panthers 2-0. Let's go. LFG. Let's go. Our other cohort on one day or one night contract, I guess we're calling it now. Colin Hoggard, columnist and contributor for the Riot Report, and has been in the lab workshopping Phil Snow puns and keeps getting stuck on milk and bread references. I bet Panovich loves that. <laughs> yep, I remember all my favorite winter nights are when the temperature drops from 28 to 3. I'm sorry. No, that was just a. <laughs> well done. Well done. First of all, for anyone that didn't think that we'd make it two weeks in a row during a show, haha, here we We're are. We're here, baby. We are here. We made We're it. Here. <laughs> we'll see what happens next week. Let's bring in our guest on the one day contract this week, Al Wallace. You know him from Black and Blue Kickoff Live, Charlotte Football, and all over football in the QC. Former Panthers defensive lineman, 10 year NFL vet, and holder of the Guest with the Best Arms Award for the fourth year in a row. Although Darren Gant may give you a little bit of a run for your money this year. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> How you guys doing, family? We're, we're practically family now. I mean, we, we clearly all have similar DNA, so we're, we're, we're family, right? So I was just trying to get me to, to mention that he won the Steve Smith uh, golf tournament this year. As a yeah, top go golf. Put it out there. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you do it. As a as a former Steve Smith Top Golf uh, champion myself, um, I I know what it takes to get to the top of that mountain, and it's not easy. You know, you got to work hard. They don't they don't bring those pictures of Miller Lite uh, around for just anybody. So you really got to you really got to work hard on it. A lot of swings. I am also a former champion, but I didn't really do anything. So I should give a shout out to you, to you guys that were on my team when we did win. I'm really bad at golf, um, but I feel like my this is my pledge whenever anybody's like, hey, you want to go play golf? And I'm like, yeah, like, I just want to be clear. I know when I have to pick up the ball, and I also am going to drink the most beers in 18 holes. Like, that's going to be – I'm going to win that contest, and, I'm, and my score is going to be very bad, except I take, like, a gentleman's six. Like, I'm just like, ah, I don't know. Like, I got a seven on that one. No, I'm like a modern day pitcher. I, I'm good for about 12 holes and then I need the reliever. So that's what I need to golf. Well, we start the show with Nikki's super important question. And because I'm always thinking about food, I'm already thinking about what I want to eat Thursday night for the game. So I need to know what is the perfect food for Thursday night football Panthers at Houston. Mm. You could put a beverage choice in there as well, if you would like. 
Well, well I guess uh, I would go with the Noda Brewing Company Roaring Riot Lager as a delicious drink option. It's true. You can really drink four to five of them um, or more if you'd like. Uh, and, uh, and they're very delicious. Uh, I felt like with the rye pale ale, while it was incredible, I, after two, I was ready to sit down. You know, like it wasn't, it didn't want to make me stand up and cheer. Um, I think my favorite football food is, um, is nachos just in general. That's probably my favorite bar food. Um, you can make them at home. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like stupid, easy to make them at home. And sometimes the worse they are when you make them at home, the better. Like I know we've all been, been, uh, been a little bit intoxicated, come home and melted some shredded cheese on top of some Tostito scoops in the microwave. And like, there's something, there's something about those nachos. You guys can't see them at home, but I'm doing air quotes. Those nachos, I mean, that, that, that's like a top five nacho right there. Those are survival nachos you're talking about right there. <laughs> yeah, that's what's called a struggle meal. That's what <laughs> Al, what's your, Al, what's your go-to uh, uh, football food? I'm a wings guy. I'm still mm. on the trail here in Charlotte trying to find uh, the best possible wings I can. Um, but I just left the Concord Mer- uh, area before I came to this uh, record this podcast. So I passed the Smoke Pit, which is my favorite barbecue place up uh, Concord. I love barbecue. They have some of the best smoked chicken wings there with the South Carolina mustard sauce. Can't beat those. I'll take those every every day if I could. That place is so underrated, by the way, and it I'm is. so glad that you mentioned them. Shout out to the Smoke Pit. Love it. We're looking for sponsors, and by sponsors, we mean just drop us a plate of barbecue each, and like that's <laughs> all we need. Like I'm that we'll 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 shout you out every episode. Al, do you have a personal record for how many wings you've eaten in one sitting? Because you're a, you're a big guy. Ooh. How much how much do you weigh right now? Uh, I'm probably down maybe twenty pounds to year. Kind of went on a journey, so I'm sub two sixty, which is my college weight. So mm-hmm. I lost a few. Still a big guy, but I can't. I don't know that I count, man. I pick them up and put them down. I, I don't have time to count. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, a pile of of bones and carnage on the. That's place. right. That answer. I guess more importantly, though, is it ranch or blue cheese? Oh, oh it is. It is always ranch. No doubt about it. Always ranch, not blue cheese. I'm not a blue cheese hater, but preference for sure is ranch. I like it. Colin, are you, are you going to eat any food with that beer or just, just, just have the beer? You know, I was thinking about it. I, I'm, I've been uh, like Al on a quest to find a really good pretzel. I, I, I need a really good pretzel in my life. And I, I love them. I used to, you know, I know as a kid, maybe you invented them, but like those, to me, those super pretzels that are now just, you know, cardboard inside of cardboard at the grocery store, those used to be delicious to me. And I, I long for the day when I enjoy a pretzel the way I did as a kid. With the big chunks of salt, like the bit, like. Yeah, but, now now it's like, would you look like or four pieces of salt on this salted pretzel? <laughs> like, no, no. All the salt, all of it. Or sometimes it's like almost too much salt. Like it's just like a white, like, like, uh, like Michael Scott is just like, yeah, just have, has anyone ever put on all the toppings? And it's like, <laughs> we don't need that much, that much salt. Like I like salt, but I also want to, I also want to live. You, you can also combine Colin and his meals and go to Catawba. They have smothered pretzel bites, which are smothered in white zombie beer cheese and bacon. Oh. And yeah, it's yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe, I'll give it a try. 
we're, I'll, save, we're, I'll save my take that beer cheese is a huge scam for another day, but I'll try that oh, one. I, I, I think I'm with Colin on this one. Beer cheese. I, I don't, don't ever understand. taste. You never just taste cheese. the beer. It's just cheese. Thank you, Colin. We are we are in lockstep right now. This is a great I, podcast. Honestly, so I would take I would take gas station orange cheese sauce over most beer cheeses. Like if you were like, hey, here's your pretzel. Which one are you dipping? I, I guarantee you, give me the orange the orange stuff. <laughs> I've I've no qualms with that cheese either. I love that gas station <laughs> cheese. <laughs> All right, let's jump into it. Panthers news and notes. First, we're going to start with Pat Elfline heads to IR, and Dennis Daly takes over the starting left guard spot. Is this a blessing in disguise? No, it is never a blessing in disguise to take hits to your depth. I, I don't I don't see it that way. Um, at all. Do I think Dennis Daly will provide something different on the offensive line potentially, but I do think that the having those guys um, together always is, is better because they're, they're different players. They're, and we know that they're not perfect players. So maybe, you know, given the matchups, given the week, the option of having both would have been better. Um, Al, I'm curious your take on it. Cause I, you know, obviously I trust your eye in the trenches. What did you think from Pat Elfline the first two weeks, or I guess a, five quarters before he went out? I mean, it wasn't bad. It, it wasn't the worst that I've seen. I mean, I had some reservation uh, coming into this season about that left side of the offensive line. Uh, and I thought he was good at times. I've seen clips where he's mauled people. And then, I mean, I've seen him, get, you know, get worked also. But I think Dennis Daly is a guy that you can plug in. Um, I Colin, it's about depth. You you lose a piece for the next three weeks or, or more, and you don't want to do that, especially on the offensive line. You want cohesiveness. Uh, you want those guys to continue to work together, figure each other out. They haven't had a lot of snaps as a unit, so to now take one guy out, plug another guy in, that feels too much uh, like what we've done the last couple of years, and I'm I'm not for that at all. Yeah, I, I will say that, you know, I think right up until I think uh, Dennis Daly missed some practices, uh, maybe when they were out in Tennessee during the preseason and um, Tennessee, Indianapolis, Indianapolis, sorry. Um, and uh, and I think that that like I know he was in like real competition with Elfline for that starting spot. So I don't think it's that much of a downgrade from Elfline to Daly. And like Colin says, they both have strengths. They both have weaknesses. I, I don't think either one of them are, are a top tier guard. Um, but at the same time, you can mask that. Uh, I, I do think it's – I'd be curious to know uh, what Al thought about – has thought about Cam Irving as well. If we're going to talk about – if we're going to do some offensive line party chat, like let's let's dig into it because I, I know we all kind of know what Taylor Moten brings to the table and what Mayor, Matt Paradis, even I think John Miller, those three are like known quantities. But going into this year, Pat Elfline, Dennis Daly, Cam Irving, that left side of the line, huge question mark, and – um, you haven't really heard his name called that much, but I don't necessarily, I, I don't know that that means he's been awesome so far. Yeah. He doesn't have to be awesome. We just need to continue not to have to say his name on Sundays. The moment mm -hmm. we start calling his name, the moment he's highlighted in, in someone's sack, then that's when you start to have some concerns, I think the game plan has helped him a lot. They've tried to get the ball out of Sam Darnold's hands, but he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been terrible. I haven't seen him whiff. I haven't seen guys bull rush him all the way back to the quarterback. And I think those are some of my concerns, that he was not very stout, that he didn't know how to anchor down. He wasn't very bottom heavy against some of the speed, the power guys that he'll eventually see in the league. Now, make no mistake, we haven't seen the devastating pass rush, especially with Davenport being out last week. I think Cam Jordan's getting up there in age. 
Um, so I thought he's done a good job. And as long as we don't hear from him, as long as we are not pointing at him on, on someone's highlight, then he's, he's done with what we expected or what we hoped he would do on that left side. I think so much of, of the offensive line, weirdly, you look at it as a lot of people expect perfection on the offensive line. They expect a clean pocket on every snap, and that's just never going to happen ever. And so it's like with any, with any NFL team, no team has that. And so it's like even the best offensive line, people get through, they get, they get pass rushed, they get bull rushed, they get knocked down, whatever. So you're absolutely right. As long as they can do what they've been doing the past two weeks and kept Sam Darnold relatively clean and not – forced him into making those mistakes uh, I, I think that's gonna that's gonna be enough from this offensive line that we knew was not a strength of the team going into this year the truth will be the first time this team is down they have not been down so far through two games we'll have to see how this team when they're down in the fourth quarter and get to pin their ears back a little bit and come after him. That's when this time. That's when the test is truly going to come. We can, and, and I'm not trying to take away anything away from the first, but that is a reality that they've played from ahead in both of their games so far, which is great, but not a guarantee. More news this week. Tyrod Taylor also goes to the IR, so the Panthers will get a rookie quarterback for the second time in three weeks. So, I mean, you can only beat who's on the field, right? Exactly. I mean, it, it's not his fault. You play the lined up across from you and you know my cap goes off to Phil Snow and I, and I was just it's something coming in and, and they were talking about how you the, how you can tell a good coach from an okay coach and the good coach always adapts to the personnel around him and they they pointed at Bill Belichick I think Phil Snow's done that he's not come in with an ego I'm going to make these guys run the defense that I want. It may have happened like that the first two or three weeks of the season last year, but he quickly adapted and, and said, hey, I'm going to look at this personnel. I'm going to see what everyone's strength is, and I'm going to go with that. And he is so good. The defense is so good because what he does is put all the guys in the right position, not, not based on ego, not based on I've been coaching for 30, 40 years, and, and this is the, the you know scheme that I run. He's been adaptable, and those guys have thrived. I mean, they have feasted. As a former defender, I couldn't be more excited about watching this bunch play. Not to completely derails, but since we're starting the Phil Snow love fest, I think I'll, I'll say something nice about uh, Matt Rule, too, because we look in Jacksonville and see a guy, Urban Meyer, that has all the credentials from college, and he surrounded himself with a bunch of pro coaches when he came to Jacksonville. You know, Coach Rule's taking some heat from bringing these college guys up. But if you're bringing up teachers and look at the way the game is being innovated now, it's not from the top down, it's from the bottom up. And with what we're seeing Coach Snow do and having these different pieces and these diverse pieces, you know, it was looked as a, as a negative, this college experience. But I think that the teacher and that Coach Snow is, and when you look at, at this defense and the number of guys that have hit for this team recently, you can't help but think, but know that there's somebody back there teaching and developing these guys. So, you know, that out. Tip of the cap to Coach Snow. Yeah, I mean, uh, he Al, Al said it perfectly. He's putting these guys in, in just the right spots. He's pulling all the right levers. And I think, you know, just like what Nikki said, you can't – you can only play the guys that are in front of you. Yes, they played uh, – they played Zach Wilson his first NFL start uh, with a shaky offensive line. Yeah, they played Jameis um, with kind of – with missing some weapons – um, and, and in front of a raucous crowd, 
But ultimately, what Phil Snow has been able to do in terms of the way that he's played this game and with the way that he's called these uh, these blitzes and these packages and this scheme, the way that he's schemed up the defense just to confuse these quarterbacks, I, I think you're going to see more of the same on Thursday night. I think it wouldn't surprise me to see the Panthers continue to be the number one defense in the NFL. Um, and then you have stuff like uh, Matt Rule said that uh, Phil Snow slept at the stadium on Sunday night. Did you guys know that? Um, Hey, not since Dom Capers have we been doing that around these parts, I thought. <laughs> wanted to get an early start on Davis Mills and uh, and the Houston Texans offense. Um, to, Maybe uh, he has a one-year-old there. Maybe he has an infant at the house. He's like, you know what? I got a <laughs> busy day here. Ah, got this big coach. He's going to be gone. He's got the big couch. Ah, TV. Oh. I'll be all right. <laughs> That's exactly and, and they try to get it done. Uh, I like him. I mean, he's probably – I'm sure he's the oldest coach on that staff. So, to see him want to succeed, uh, you know, with that type of enthusiasm, I mean, a great job. It's impressive. And I know the guys like playing for him. That That's what you call a player's coach, a guy who's going to feed off you, he's going to get you involved in the game plan. What, what do you guys see? What do you guys like? And everybody has been able to eat off, off of his scheme, and it's been beautiful to watch. Yeah, I mean, you don't expect to hear Brian guys like young guys like Brian Burns and Dante Jackson just extolling the virtues of Phil Snow, not as a coach, but as like a person and as just a dude that they like spending time with. And the fact that he has been able to connect with those guys, I do think has a lot to do with his college experience. Has I mean, he's been connecting with guys between 18 and 22 for the past 25 years, basically. So he knows how to do that on a different level and not only become a, a coach to them, but also a friend and somebody that they can kind of that they can learn from and a mentor. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this is the youngest defense in the league and they're having success under somebody like the, under this, basically a college staff. Um, the, the way they've, they've put these two, they've married those two um, parts of the team and their coaching staff. I don't know whether it was on purpose or not, but I mean, certainly they can take the credit for it now that it's already done. And uh, it seems like kind of a masterful move to say, Hey, we're going to be young. We're going to rebuild. Let's bring in guys that know how to rebuild and you, these guys that are contributing, that are the Sam Franklin's, the Miles Hartsfield. Miles Hartsfield was a freaking running back last last year, and they taught him how to play corner. That's what these college coaches are are doing. They're teachers more, just as much as they are coaches. I agree with, uh, with a lot of what you're saying there. I think it's it's important. And one of the moments from this past weekend's game that I that I thoroughly enjoyed. And I know it's reading the body language, or whatever. But when they did, when Burns got a sack. And you've got all the teammates, including Dante, getting in there and participating in that in that sack celebration. That that speaks to me about a group, Al, that looks like they enjoy playing with and for each other. And so to, I look at that and, and what you're talking about with Coach Snow, it, it, it seems to be working. And to have a young defense that seems to be getting along the way that they are and playing the way they are, I, I'm I'm excited as I've been in a while. Yeah, they they have a bond. I was just asked to provide is a, a solo just an action shot of myself so i'm going through some photos just to speak to what you said and about how these guys are celebrating with each other how they love one another and as i'm going through picture after picture i realize i don't have any solo shots because every big play that i made as a backup coming off the bench uh pep is there rocks there 
Brinson Buckner, Mike Minner, like all the guys are there because they, they're celebrating with you. They appreciate you. There's no ego. I, I wasn't Pep. I wasn't Mike Rucker, but they can appreciate the work that goes into it. And they're genuinely happy for each other. It's been two games. I mean, we don't know what this thing is going to look like, but I can tell you, I see glimpses of that unit that's so close that just will go out there and, and, and do it all for each other. Um, it's going to be exciting. I heard Hassan Reddick at the mic talking about his teammates and how fun it is working with Burns and then working with the rest of the guys. This is going to be a heck of a ride for that defense. Al, you, you've been, you were obviously a member of maybe the best, the best defense in Panthers history. When, when it starts kind of, especially for pass rush, when it starts to like rolling downhill like that, like where it's just like where you feel like you're getting to them every, every down, uh, what's that like in the huddle, in the locker room? Like what, what's, it, what's that feeling like? Well, first, on the sideline, we're all fighting like sharks in there because we want a piece of that frenzy. So, you know, as a backup, I'm, I'm asking, you know, like do you need to, uh, to rest a little bit? Can I get you some Gatorade? I want some reps. <laughs> so we're fighting over those opportunities uh, to kind of get in there. And then we had a NASCAR package where three ends were on the field along with uh, Brentson Buckner. So now Chris Jenkins is mad that he has to come out. But when you get that type of confidence, everything's working. All the blitzes are hitting home. The timing is right. Uh, you get free runs like you saw Brian Burns just just destroy Jameis Winston. It's fun. It's what you sign up for when all those things you've worked on all week in that game plan are working. It is, like I said, it's a feeding frenzy, and everyone wants a part of it. I think it's easy when you've got a former player to come on and say, you know, especially if the defense is, is playing well and the defense played well, and you're, hey, this team's similar. But one of the things that really sticks out, and, and you mentioned it with all the guys you were listing there, Al, was the, the depth on that front and the balance of the pass rush. When you've got four guys that have five sacks in that season in 2003, that kind of balance, that's what I see. Not that, not that Burns might not pop off and have, you know, a big season, but I can see that defense have four guys that the have entire that, units. That I mean, you can look and there's a different group of linebackers or the entire defensive line subs out. And I think we're able to do that uh, with myself and Shane Burton and Kendall Moorhead, so many guys on that defensive line and not because we had bodies and we were okay. I think everyone on the field or on that unit and on that defensive staff felt confident that, that when uh, 96 went out and 90 had to come off the field, this was going to be a drop-off. I wasn't the player, but I certainly had the capability of making those types of plays. I see that with Marquise Haynes and, and all the guys. They can just rotate bodies in, and everyone's hitting home. It's because of the scheme, and it's because of the understanding of the roles and, and what, what situations everyone is, is excels in. Phil Snow has the pulse of that unit. He understands how to get those guys lined up and matched up, and, and just they're popping off right now. It's beautiful to see. I think you saw this week too why they signed a guy like Morgan Fox that they can move all over that they could put all over the line because he was on the outside he was on the inside he's just making plays wherever he is and it really like I mean it, it pays off it's just like you said is he's pulling all the right levers he's putting them in the right spots and then obviously these guys have the talent to to get the job done so it, yeah it's two games it's the Jets it's the Saints at some point they're going to play against the Bucks. they're going to play they're going to play. Um, they're going to play better teams and better offensive lines, and and they're not going to have six sacks and and just be feasting. But for right now, especially when you look at what's coming up in the next month, I, I think we're going to be having these conversations week after week. 
Yeah, shout out to Morgan Fox, man. I I completely forgot about – look, he, for me, all the guys are getting sacks. He's been the real difference maker. He's been the, the catalyst to all the things that are going on. When he doesn't get home, he's the guy that's flushing the quarterback, getting the pressures. He has been phenomenal. I don't know if I knew that he was that good of a player, um, you know, coming from his experience with Rams and – uh, playing side, uh, you, you know, just great defensive lineman there. So it's, I mean, it's been fun to watch him play. He is, he is playing hair on fire every snap. He's all over the place. There's been a couple of times we've mentioned the uh, the start, and I got to say, for and I know this has changed gears a little bit, but for what we're breaking in in terms of a new offense with Sam Darnold and everything, I'd rather us not know and still have those questions after a couple of weeks instead of getting like those immediate tests right out of the gate. Cause I don't think this team, I don't think this has been the build and the trajectory that coach rule and the staff have had. And, and I, I like the way they've handled this so far. Arnold. So yes, of course we still have plenty of questions going forward, but I think this easing into this season, I think has been really beneficial too. Like an old man easing into the bath. It's perfect. It's a perfect setup for them because they, you know, you don't get discouraged. You don't want to put your young team in a position where they just get pounded early and and then you're thinking, you're questioning yourself. It's about confidence. And right now, they're certainly building a lot of confidence. I said it last week. If the Panthers had lost to the Jets, the season was over. Just mark it off. Like, they're, they're done. Like, if Sam Darnold throws two picks, he's done. Like, he's out. He may be out of the league in a year. But it's like now you bring him along slowly. He's against. He's facing a Saints defense that doesn't have Davenport, doesn't have Lattimore. He can dump it down to McCaffrey. I mean, yeah, he had 300 yards, but I don't know. The, it feels like people are really talking up Darnold over the past four days. I, I, I mean, I have my own uh, feelings on Darnold that I carry over from the past few months. Um, but, you know, I, I think this, this has been great for him to be able to ease his way into the season and not be asked to do too much. He's never been from behind. No, they've never had to pin their ears back, just like Colin said. So I, I, I do think this is kind of their perfect situation. It's only going to continue for the next, uh, for at least for the next three days, and then, uh, and then maybe for the next month or so. Josh, you said you had your feelings on Sam Darnold. I want to hear Al's impressions and feelings on Sam Darnold so far. I think what they've done is curated an offense. Uh, I think we've all said it, that he can ease into, right? They're not asking him to throw the ball down the field. Uh, he, he's not taking any chances with the ball. I mean, he made a bonehead play where he's trying to force the ball out, a little shovel pass, and it's a turnover. But for what they've put on his plate, I mean, he's done a great job. He has done a great job. I don't know what that looks like three, four games from now, like everyone's saying, when the competition gets a little tougher and he's going to have to – go into his bag and it's going to be some situations where he's going to be the reason or they're going to need him to be the reason that they win a football game. It's just, it's been, it's been handcrafted for him to go out there, get the ball to 22. DJ Moore is as, as consistent of a wide receiver as you can possibly have. He's, he started getting the ball to Dan Arnold recently. And what I need to see is I need to see those deep balls to Robbie. I mean, I, I need to see them light it up and push downfield, but now is not the time, and they haven't had to do that. They will have to do that at some point. So uh, he's solid. I, I don't have any complaints outside of the one turnover. I, th I thought he's done exactly uh, what they've asked to do. 
doesn't wild you. It's not sexy. I, I thought this Sunday he did a great job, particularly on third downs. They did a good job, I thought, of putting him in those situations, and he delivered um, on several third downs. And to me, I, those are the kind of small wins you can take when you're, you know, like you said, you're going against the Jets defense, you're going against the Saints defense. You're not, you're not trying to slow roll. You're trying to slow roll this thing out. But seeing him deliver on third down, even if it's a, you know, a mid-range throw. Okay, all right, we're checking some boxes here. We're building that confidence little bit by little bit, and I like what they've done with him. Yeah, I do I do like the the stuff that he has been able to do on third down, and even even though they have kind of – they've schemed some stuff that's made it easier for him, I think Joe Brady has done a, a nice job with what Darnold has done. I think um, Brady has his, his shortcomings thus far that are kind of – that have still carried over from last season. I think red zone is a problem. I think some of his fourth down play callings – uh, are interesting, um, but I, I think that um, when you look at what he has asked Sam Darnold to do, and I, I like Sam's decisions on third down, which are huge. You know, there have been times – every time that Sam Darnold throws the ball away, an angel gets his wings because it's like those are the kind of things that he was not doing in New York, and he was throwing – he was trying to throw the underhand shovel passes like he did. And if he can eliminate those completely, um, that, then I think that will that will help. And – it's not a bad thing if your defense is the better unit. Now, I think a lot of people, they look at this team and they see Chris McCaffrey, they see DJ Moore, they see Robbie Anderson, they say, well, the offense is going to carry this team. But, I mean, the first two weeks it's been the defense. Obviously, they've allowed um, 21 points between the two between between the two games, zero points in the, in the first half of both games thus far. So it's like it's been the defense carrying them, and I think that's how it's going to be for the rest of the year. And I guess we'll see at some point uh, the offense is going to have to do something um, outside their comfort zone, but it hasn't been yet. And again, I'll keep saying it, it probably won't be for another month or so that, that they're really going to face that test. I think that's fair. I did hear, um, I think it was Bruce Feldman was on with um, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, and they're talking about Darnold. And one of the things that uh, that Joe Brady has done that they did not do for him in, in New York, Joe Brady's run stuff that's very similar to what he ran at SC and was successful with at SC. The Jets did not do that, and Joe Brady has. So I, I, I think uh, I think kudos to, Je- for, to Joe Brady for going back and looking at Darnold's SC tape and finding where the guy is being successful, not being, you know, too rigid in his system and working with the young man that he's got. So kudos to him as well. I think it's funny that after a year of Teddy Bridgewater and everybody complaining that he was never going deep, what Al wants to see from Sam Darnold is him going deep. So maybe it's not Teddy. Maybe it's the offense doesn't dial those shots maybe up. Maybe it's Joe Brady. Yeah, maybe it's the Joe Brady philosophy. Yeah. Well, there, there is a Teddy Bridgewater deep ball stack floating around out there, isn't there? Isn't he lead the league and passes thrown over 20 yards or something this uh, early this season? He's looked pretty good out there. Well, the air is thinner out there, so it's easier for him to throw it. That's, <laughs> that's the main reason for it. <laughs> is there any concern about CMC's usage after he has to come out of the game for cramping and then can't talk to the media after the game on Sunday? He had to go to the cryo chamber or whatever it is. I, I want to know what he's doing. I, I don't. I, <laughs> I believe wholeheartedly that he is doing things, but um, I, I'm fascinated by what the McCaffrey regiment might look like within the week. Like why though? Why? Why are we so? Has anyone ever asked that of Derek Henry or Alvin Kamara? Like, why do we do that only with Christian McCaffrey? He's the only football player of the. 
six football player like that. But listen to listen to Christian talk. He's not saying it, you know, to endanger himself. He he wants to play football. He's put in the work. He's conditioned himself. Yes, he got hurt last year, so we're afraid of that. But he is literally the only player that we worried about a snap count. No other player at any other position are we concerned that they might touch the ball too many times. You use your best player. That's what happens. That's what Tennessee does. That's what the Saints do with their running back. The running back lifespan is just – it's not that great. So you're not going to be able to stretch it 10 years. Let him, let him play while he's fast and he's the best athlete on the field. He's the best weapon in the NFL to me, running and, and catching the ball. Um, I'm a football player, so I might have a different viewpoint. But I can't imagine someone saying you're completely healthy – you're in shape, you're not tired, that I'm going to restrict you in some kind of way when, when you're the best thing going for the Panthers. No NBA player is going to follow you on Twitter with that kind I'm of fine. attitude, Al. I'm a football <laughs> guy. <laughs> um, I, I agree. Okay, I think I've come around because I think I had a, a different opinion last year maybe, but I think that was a different season. That, I mean, obviously they were, he was hurt, but um, – I think that I kind of, I, I do agree with Al. I think he's your best player. Get him the ball. Let him touch the ball as much as you need him to do it to win. What I don't like is him getting these fourth quarter carries when they're up by 22. Like that's a time for Chuba Hubbard. Like that, that's when, that's when Christian has to come off the field, especially after he's already come back out sprinting out of the locker room because he had to go back there for cramps and he had IVs and two bags worth of fluid put in. Why is he out there for the last possession of the game? I just don't like it. That was something that Ron Rivera used to do. And I get it. It's probably Christian being like, coach, I'm, I want to be out there. Don't, I'm, I'm not taking my helmet off. Let me run in there. But sometimes you got to be the coach and be like, you got to sit down. Sorry, man. You're, you're, you're too important to this team. We don't need you out there. Let's let Chuba rack up these stats here. I know you're maybe going for another 1,000, 1,000, 1,200, 1,200 this year, but um, this, is not, this is not the drive for you. I think it does kind of evolve. I think to your point about last season when the optimism wasn't too high with this team. I'm not interested in watching Christian McCaffrey, who I think is a phenomenal player, waste himself on a team that's that's not going anywhere and just get beaten into the wall like he's an early 80s running back i'm not interested in that and and i think you you asked about who i look back at i look at number one i look at cam and i say the way that cam's the injuries piled up for cam over the last several years people think that you're going to be able to keep this you know this car this beautiful car like you know this classic car for 50 years no that's not the way it works you know, and, and with, with Cam, we said when he came in, if, if you get seven to ten years out of the way he plays, it'll, that, that's probably about the most you can expect. And that's about what it looks like we're going to get out of him. But people want to try and extend it. People want to try and stretch it. Um, I, I, I'm with you, Josh. Be smart with his usage, but by all means, go win every game you can using that guy as a running back. Yeah, I think for me the difference is a guy like Cam – wasn't able to avoid any of the contact. He's a sitting duck when he's passing. And then when he chose to run the ball, I mean, he's, he wasn't able to avoid contact. Christian slips tackles better than anybody in the league. Um, and then if we're going to talk injury-wise, Cam, his shoulder, it came on a, an interception at a quarterback attempting to make a tackle. And in the foot deal, listen, most of the injuries we see in the NFL, unfortunately, are non-contact injuries. The body fails it breaks not because someone's hitting you as a running back 
it's a bad cut. It's, it's you know, a bad placement of your foot when you're, you're trying to, um, when you're landing for making a catch. It's not devastating hits or the accumulation of those hits, which Christian McCaffrey, from my vantage point, is not taking those types of hits on a consistent basis. Like you said, 80s, 90s, when it was two yards in a cloud of dust. It's a different game these days. Yeah, the old don't go out of bounds, fall forward every time. And you're, and you're right about Cam, about the, the punishment that Cam would take. And he would say, you know, you can't tell the line not to roar. And he would go look to punish those DBs. You know, CMC, you know, he'll slip out of bounds. And great. Understanding, got the first down. The job for this play is done. Don't take the punishment. He's great at it. It's one of the reasons I'm optimistic about his ability to hold up with such a workload. Let's move on to overall picture. What do you guys think the Panthers' record will be halfway through the season? And are you worried about expectations for the team being elevated? Well, do um, I, you know, I was thinking about this. We had, we had a pretty decent start last year, and it, and it kind of fell apart. I don't think this is – I don't think we're poised for that same thing um, this year. I really thought this Saints game was a, was a test. Um, even though it ended up being a little bit easy. There's a cheat sheet running around with all the injuries and the COVID cases and all that stuff, but they still pass that test against the guys that have been the Kings of the South. I, I think, I think at the midway point, this team will be above 500 and, 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 and got things heading in the right direction. Uh, I'll, I'll see you're above 500 and I'll say, I'll say six and two halfway through the season. I don't know where you put halfway through now. It's like halfway through That's the ninth true. game now, true. so six and two and a half maybe. Um, but so you look at they had the lead at the half time of the ninth game, which makes me factually correct. Exactly. <laughs> um, they're like you look at who they've got on the schedule. I mean, it's it's basically the Cowboys are a tough matchup uh, next week, and then you've got the Eagles at home, uh, the Vikings at home, at the Giants, at the Falcons. Like I'm not scared of really anybody on this schedule until you start to get to the Patriots, then the Cardinals, maybe even the Ron the Ron Rivera's. Um, I think are going to be a, a tough matchup for this team, especially emotionally. Um, but you know. Uh, I I worry that um, I, I worry that with a young team that when you when you do start having some success and you get started talking on Good Morning Football and people are talking about you you know hey hey maybe this is going to be a team that's going to compete for the Super Bowl um, I I worry that that can get a little bit out of hand so but I think when you look at what this team can do in the first half especially where their strengths are. Um, I, I can see this team being very good for the first half of the season. And then down the stretch, I mean, it, it gets harder, but it doesn't get that harder. Like when the schedule gods did a pretty nice job for, for Carolina, um, other than their last three out of four are uh, at Buffalo, at, uh, at Buffalo, then Tampa Bay, um, and then they have to play at Tampa Bay again in week 17. But um, I, I think when you look at this first half of the schedule, especially now that we've seen what they can do against – inferior opponents um I, I think you know things are looking up for for carolina yeah I, I mean i'm right in the middle of you guys maybe five and three i think it gets a lot tougher once you get week nine with the patriots um i think it's a, a solid obviously football team so they're going to present some challenges that defense has played well um the cowboys are i think the cowboys are better than we've seen in the last couple of years and the eagles can strike in any given sunday get explosive and, and find a way to win uh, same with minnesota uh Fal the falcons they're going to be terrible no matter what but 
down the stretch <laughs> after the bye after the bye week. I mean, that's a gauntlet, man. I mean, if you think you can, I mean, what the Falcons again that first week after the bye week, then you got to find a win, man. If you don't think the Saints are a better team than they showed this past weekend, you're fooling yourself. They had all those offensive staffers not there. They had some of their better players in the secondary and defensive linemen missing. I think they're closer to 38-3 Saints than they are to what we just saw. And that's not taking anything away from the Panthers, but they're going to be tough down the stretch into the year. They're going to play better. And then Tampa twice in the last three games of the seasons. I mean, it could get ugly. But I, I, I say five and three here before we get to the Patriots week nine. I get so annoyed at the season at the schedule makers when I see Tampa in two of the last three. It's yeah. just it's what once early in the season, once late in the season. I don't I I I, I don't need fabricated, you know, drama here. Well, that's I like having they, the I like, I like having the South on week seventeen or the division rivals on week seventeen. Don't get me wrong, but I don't like this scheduling the way it's done. They've been stacking up those. It's week 18, by the way. That's that, That'll get some more getting used to. Um, uh, it's, uh, it, I do like how they stack the, the divisional games for the last, like, three or four weeks of the season now. Like, I, the, first, the first year they did it, I was like, this is dumb. But now I like how it's, like, it's kind of just up in the air, especially if, you're, if your division is good. Then it's like, man, these, this is just going to be a fun three weeks of football. I mean, a, a hard three weeks of football, but a fun three weeks of football to experience and to watch, not, not to actually play in. I don't know. I, for, from my perspective, it feels like one sprained ankle, one injury that lasts a month takes you out of both games potentially against a division foe. I, I, I just – I'd rather see it spaced out more. I feel like this has been a lot of positivity in this podcast and a lot of kittens and rainbows so far. Well, I mean, they're, oh. they're two and Oh, they're the number one defense in the league. Sam Darnold threw for 300 yards. Um, Phil snow uh, is a, is, is a certified genius. He's sleeping at the stadium. Like what, like how, how could you be negative about this team right now? I mean, there, there's nothing to be negative. They got mixed reality Panthers tearing down flags. They got, uh, <laughs> They, they, keep they, they keep pounding back. Keep pounding Chan is happening. Back. It's That's it's right. uh, like it never left. Um, they're they're facing again. They're facing off against Davis Mills. Who don't don't pretend any one of the four of us didn't have to Google Davis Mills when when you found out he was starting. Like no, nobody was like, oh, Davis Mills, of course, Stanford third round pick. I got it. I knew that. Well, no, it was it was we knew who Davis Mills was because he was their first pick in proof of a dysfunctional situation because Houston was clearly dysfunctional. I had no clue how to win a single football game. What did they win by in week one? 31? Yep. They played the Browns within 10? Do you, do you worry that this is a – that this that there is a, a bit of a – I don't want to say like letdown, but like like a trap game, like they'll walk in, they'll walk in a Houston with their head held high and Brian Burns is doing – you know, is wearing a Spider-Man uh, – pajamas under his jersey that he's like ready to take off when he tears davis mills head off i think there's a chance for an ugly game because it's thursday night i don't i think this this particularly this defense is having too much fun <laughs> i mean I, that seems like you'd want to show up to work right now <laughs> yeah, i'm not worried about that I, I think um even if it gets ugly this you know the panthers are, are just better so you might see a slow start they might have to wake up 
at some point, like, hey, what's going on? But I think they're so hyper aware, and by they, I mean the coaching staff, that they won't let that happen. They're going to pound that in them all week to not fall asleep at the will and make sure that they don't take this team lightly, you know, on their third quarterback. So I have a question. How do you guys feel about special teams? We talked about what was more with 2003. This is what is dramatically different from that team. Special teams made plays that year. And yeah. right now we are, we're just, we're lost, particularly on the kicking front. I mean, as a, a guy who played 10 years running down on kickoffs, um, you know, I'm just, I'm disappointed that the kickoffs aren't in the end zone. Like, I don't understand what's happening with the pro kicker. And I know coach said he chose kind of accuracy over, you know, the big booming leg, but um, you know, I joked a couple weeks ago or when I do Charlotte football with, with Jonathan Cruz, this kid hasn't had a kick returned on him all season. Like it's a luxury. If I have to run down there now, you got to worry about lane discipline, tackling the collisions. Like they just made it so difficult and missing extra points and kicks. I mean, you got to do better. It will come back to bite this team in the rear. They're going to need special teams. And right now they have been so fortunate that they haven't needed uh, the kicker to be super accurate, kick the ball out of the end zone. Somebody's going to pop one and they're going to regret it. It's going to be the reason why they're in a game that they shouldn't be, that they should be blowing someone out because they're going to make it in interesting. I truly believe that this, we are witnessing and have witnessed a mistake by guys doing things for the first time. This is one of those those instances where I think it is, is when you talk about not bringing in Sly to get competition and then where we've ended up with him losing his confidence, they thought they were fine. They checked that box and assumed it was going to be okay, and it isn't. And I just don't think you can do that in the NFL. Now, I don't think it's some kind of crime. Plenty of teams have, have gone through, through you know, multiple kickers but it is something as long as it's a thing it's going to be a thing and, and you're just going to be waiting for that moment when it does pop and bite you it seems like it's going to be a thing for for a really long time right isn't it uh, aren't like kicker all like year. kicker kickers and quarterback i mean not even all year like for for a while i guess they could sign like a veteran in the off season if they feel like they're really ready to compete next year but like i, I feel like kickers and quarterbacks are harder are like kickers are like sneaky hard to find like even if you you could bring in a guy that you're like hey we got joe nedney like this guy is a pro this guy is a pro and then he could miss three field goals week one and they're like well i guess we're back to what's zane gonzalez up to like is joey sly still around can we get him back up what about uh liram hajuridolo is he ready to come i'm i apologize that i i hate butchering somebody's name but i've never actually said it out loud and i it came out worse than i thought it was going to come out this is why football needs to get rid of kickers because even if you get it right even if you get it right you can still have your entire season screwed up by a kicker look at the vikings yep against the falcons the guy was perfect all year long one of the best kickers best accuracies ever a chippy he missed a chippy so even you can do everything right kickers are not bringing that much if they can't kick it in the end zone they can't make extra points at the time let's run them nobody needs these guys golfing while Al's out there sweating down at Walford. Let's get rid of him. I 100% agree. Yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> there you I'll go. Just uh, it's, my, it's my 2003 hate of Adam Vinatieri. That's it. Mm. I love John Casey. I probably wouldn't have been in that Super Bowl without John Casey, but the guy on the other side, 
I'll pass. Hard pass on kickers. Exactly. You'd have been going up against any normal kicker. You'd have been just fine. You'd have you'd be showing off your ring tonight. Right. But no, <laughs> but no, because they had one. The one we've had. There's been two decent kickers basically: Adam Vinatieri and Justin Tucker. Everybody else been yeah, just paying, just getting paid decent money to be meh by and large. Greg the leg. They gave him a cool nickname. They're like, oh, he's phenomenal. Oh well, he's great when he's accurate once in a while. There's there's no good kickers. We don't need him. Let's go. Wasn't he also Legatron at one point? That was his nickname. That was that was yeah. an incredible nickname. Yeah. I feel like the the nickname game for kickers is really just. I mean, like the swole kicker. Like Joey Sly had the job for an extra I year because he was the swole time. kicker. Don't waste any time on thinking of a kicker nickname, but. We are in a new. We are in a new phase. We've basically had four kickers for our history as an organization, and now we've had four in the span of a couple of weeks. Here, we've not wandered through, uh, you know, the the, the the kicking carousel. The, the Titans, I think, is it fourteen kickers since twenty eighteen. One of which, by the way, I looked at the list today, says kickoff specialist Ryan Santoso. <laughs> so here's a part of that one too. Uh, even then, he was identified as a kickoff specialist. Maybe that should have been a hint. <laughs> well, we want to make sure that we have some fun before Al has to go. So there was a demand for this on Twitter. The return of your basic. Josh, why don't you tell the folks at home, uh, give, give them a little one-liner about what your basic is. Yeah, basically, you just, you just say, you know, things that, things that you don't like, and then you just follow it up. Just things that, that, are, that are basic. And then you just follow it up with your basic. The problem is, is that Colin, Colin will go on like a, like a two and a half minute rant and then just like put a period on it. And it's like, and then we'll all just be like waiting, staring at the screen at, at, or staring at him when we were doing it in real life. And he just, it will just be like, oh, I'm done. And it's like, no, you have to say your basic at the end of it. That's the whole point of the game is like, right. if you don't understand the rules of the game, then you're basic. I admit. I've had my struggles with the games on the one day contract podcast. It has been a bit of an uphill battle for me. I'm working through it. I've studied the tape. Would this be a good example? If you decided in the off season to introduce male cheerleaders and then insist to the fans that they should lead their ears, you base that. Is that a good, is that a good use of it? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good okay, one. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Nikki, what was your suggestion for the, for the male cheerleaders? Hi. <laughs> Can I just say I love the male cheerleaders, but can we put these poor men in shorts? They are hot. It, they do not need to be in pants. It's too hot for that. Uh, Nikki, how does the game go? If you're putting oh. your male cheerleaders in in pants, <laughs> you basic. I, I I I was thinking about Colin. I channeled my inner Colin, and I did it wrong. <laughs> you basic. I'm just, now I'm just taking shots. By the way, who are the Saints people in those new fancy seats we have in the end zone? Why was I seeing Saints uniforms in the front row? Uh-oh. The fancy seats. That's basic. That's basic. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. See that? There we go. Al's got it. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll give. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Um, if you're one of those people that are out there right after the Panthers beat the bricks off the Saints, and you're saying, "Well, they didn't have anybody healthy, and they didn't have seven coaches due to COVID, and uh, and when those guys come back, like that would have been," and then Jameis had that. Uh, but you're basic. You can't just <laughs> they they play the game sixty minutes. That's who's out there. If you're complaining, if you're saying, "Oh, well, if this had happened, then we would have," you're basic. 
I feel like that, that was directed at me, Josh. <laughs> I, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> well, three of us are family. It's cool. Somebody's <laughs> out the family. That's why we're doing this via Zoom. So I can't. So I didn't have to say it right to Al's face. You know, it's basic to me college coaches that come to the NFL and they don't respect they don't respect the the game and they think they can come in and they, they think they can recruit for me it's Urban Meyer with his arrogance and his Ohio State and his Florida pedigree thinking he can come into the NFL and win football games just just because he shows up and because his entourage is there he's basic to me uh, Urban Meyer he's not going to be long he's going to be out of here you're basic Urban Oh, that might be the best one we've ever had. And you know why? He's going to probably have to go spend time with his family and be the coach of USC very shortly. Oh, boo-hoo for Urban. Matt Rule's name got, got brought up for that job, right? I mean, just by Herbie. So I'm not sure that that's really like a, a like it's actually happening. But, Interesting. Um, but Joe, I, I mean. Joe Brady's name's come up as well. So, but I, you know, I think he wants to be an NFL coach. Joe Brady was up for like CEO of Bank of America. Joe Brady was is getting interviewed for like any any open fancy job. Joe Brady is up for it. If you're considering Joe Brady for your for your head coaching position after what he's done for the first 18 weeks at 18 games of his offensive coordinating career, Jaguars, you basic. <laughs> um, I do want to ask Al one thing before we we let him go. Al, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the new turf? You know, I like natural grass. It's fine. It's not the worst thing. It's not the old, nasty veteran stadium turf that I played on back in the in the 90s, but um, the guys don't like it. It just doesn't give. So I think, you know, they'll look back and they'll do studies on injury rates. I think it's going to be better than natural grass, but, but I get it. I mean, there's going to be soccer there. There's going to be a lot of reasons to use that, that multi-purpose surface. Uh, I, I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. My, my son actually asked me, he's five, he asked me, is that real grass, Dad? And I actually had a genuine moment of sadness being like, no, son, the billionaire can't afford real grass. <laughs> and the then Rolling we hugged, hugged and we moved on and we had some pretzels. The Rolling Stones, shockingly, don't like natural grass. <laughs> Come on, that's, a good, that's good stuff. It's a little basic. Willie Nelson didn't object. <laughs> that's good stuff. Al, I know you can be found everywhere now. Can you give us a rundown where people can find you? Yeah, Black and Blue Kickoff Live every Sunday morning, 10 to 11. Um, with the whole Great show. Crew. Yeah, and then um, on ESPN Radio Charlotte here, um, every Monday, 445, I'll be breaking the games down, giving my opinion on what I saw. And then, um, you know, Charlotte 49er football, color analyst, following the team around. Will Healy's doing a great job. And then on the weekends when I'm free, on the time I'm free, trying to support my wife, we started a, a coffee truck. We love coffee. Three kids here at home and uh, trying, to in, just trying to pass on our love for coffee. So Blue Bison Coffee, you can look it up on social, Blue Bison Coffee. She's doing a great job of trying to build her brand. Great coffee, uh, great craft lemonades. It's a it's a great time. She'll talk to you. She's very social, so go out and see her. Um, that's it. Everywhere, everywhere media. 
I, I do have one question that. for you. It, it sounded like there was a lot of not just the college age kids that rushed the field. And when uh, Charlotte beat Duke, do we have confirmation that you did not rush the field or were you part of the festivities? No, I do not rush the field. Um, <laughs> I am vaccinated, but I am also smart. And I do not get out there with college kids. I've had at my time and i'm also still on a post game show so no club lit no no oh, no club lit <laughs> i wish not in two years i haven't been haven't even seen it no one it's day it's exciting it's exciting there it's exciting football here in charlotte right now yeah. give, hey, give us a bold prediction for for charlotte for the rest of this year um i think they i think they make it the wins. i think they become bowl eligible will healy's done job first um conference game this friday at 6 30 p.m against middle tennessee um they had some quarterback shifts over there uh, rick studs is a very good coach i think they found a way to win this football game but there is so much so much talent with that charlotte program will healy's really done a knockout job and just a solid human being i am such really a will a healy guy. fan I, I i hope we get to keep him for longer than i think we will it's not happening i know <laughs> <laughs> i know now josh do you have any thursday night game notes are there any game watches or anything people need to know about no go go to roaringriot.com check your local socials uh go out and watch a panthers game they're two and oh watch them with fellow fans it's always better when you're sharing nachos with a friend um do not eat those Tostitos and melted cheese by yourself. Don't do it. Do not do it. Follow Nikki on Twitter at Nikki704. And Colin at ColinCLT. And Al at 96A Wallace. I got it? You got it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it all by heart. Nikki, say Good your job. line. You're basic. Good job. You're basic. This has been one day contract, part of the roaring ride network al wallace your one day contract is up we will see you all next week thank you guys That's great. Al, thank you so much for your time brother i appreciate I, I was so glad you went back to you i was like yes yes <laughs> i really like the basic i think it's like one of the most dumb games that we do but i just enjoy i feel like the games are better when they're dumb maybe i'm not <laughs>